0: Hi and welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, brought to you usually live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. We're actually on location here in Crystal Lake today. Uh, we've got a, we've got an excellent show for you. Uh, I'm not going to go and do a whole bunch of promos today, but I'm going to I'm going to introduce our host with the most, Mr. Rick Atwater. Thank you, Chris. Is host with the most is that appropriate?
1: Host with the most. It's kind of old, but we'll take it. Okay. Good. All right.
0: good. <laughs> Take it, run
1: with it. Okay, welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show Straight Stuff on Addictions tonight. Our tag is the DUI process demystified. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Where we are every Sunday night at eight. Even though we're on location, it'll be broadcast at eight. So I'm talking like we're you know I'm talking like it's eight.
2: Hope you having a good weekend. It feels yeah. like it's eight. It
1: feels like it's eight. Anyway, thanks to our engineer Chris and our guest April Fisher. Um, you can normally call into the show, but since we're pre-recording, you can't. But you can tweet us anytime, at Rick Atwater. Um, re- remember to check out our website, recoveryinternetradio.com. That's
0: recoveryinternetradio.com
1: for all our archive shows and recovery resources. We've got everything. We have everything. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll jump into our our deal tonight and in, in talking to um, April, and the reason, l- let me just say as by way of introduction that um, it, I think, you know, the show's about addiction, so um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people come into the recovery process through getting DUIs. Correct. It's. Not, you know not everybody needs that, and not everybody succeeds in that, but for many it's and there's that word you know, and I don't know what the percentage is, but some people get it it helps them get to their bottom or helps them to get to the point where they want to do something but the yeah they're they changed, change. yeah so so that's really the the uh, thinking behind talking about DUI, plus the fact that it's for most people a lot of people don't you know they're not familiar with the legal system they don't know how it works it's a, it's a scary thing and so that's kind of why we thought we would talk about it to sort of explain it a little bit
3: okay is that all right that sounds good to me
1: okay so um so first a little bit about you how long have you been doing this
3: 28 years
1: 28 years Okay, so that's a long time. That's
3: a very long time.
1: I'm sure there's people out there running the numbers. How old is this lady
3: right, right. <laughs> well,
1: who does anything for twenty eight years?
2: <laughs>
1: but that's a long time, so you can't you can't not know a few things about how to do this without exactly. you've been doing it twenty eight years
3: exactly what
1: um I don't know how I don't know how to, how you want to answer this or where you want to take it, but how what led you into this business in the first place?
2: Okay,
3: so my original degree is criminal justice. Mm-hmm. And I come from a very heavy history of alcoholism and drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Everyone basically in my family except my mother, because she grew up with it and it disgusted her, and so she never got involved in that. But my biological father, he drank, he drove, he killed himself and mm-hmm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, But that's not the reason that I did it. Mm-hmm. However, it keeps me sane,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: it's a good story. Yes. You know, and yeah. how it took, you know, because, you know, alcohol, you know, DUIs and crashes, because they are crashes, you know, you take away somebody's freedom. And every time that we get into a car, that's what we're potentially doing when we're on the binge on.
1: Taking away, the, per- the potentially taking away the person...
3: Freedom. My freedom was taken away. I didn't get to, my dad didn't get to see me Mm -hmm. grow and all that stuff. And so that was a little, you know, I had a few years where it was, you know, difficult. And Mm -hmm. I was, looked at myself and I saw myself heading down that path and I didn't want to go there. Mm -hmm. So I worked in a police station for five years. Okay. And they did things, you know, um... You know, they drank and drove and that that upset me. Mhm. So I went back to school and I had trademarked a program for law enforcement professionals and their families and one thing led to another and I got into addictions. Mhm.
1: Hence and Here you are here I am. Yeah. Yeah. We what did you do for the police for the cops? Dispatch or Dispatch. Were we? yeah. mm-hmm. so did you uh did you get to see like all the call like a lot of the calls? The reason I ask is I, I've talked to uh, law enforcement people over the years, and I had one guy tell me uh, he worked nights, and he said, "If you," uh, he said, "most of what I do is um, alcohol-related domestic violence, breaking up bar fights, or DUI." And, and he and said, "If I took the alcohol if we took the alcohol out of the equation, I'm not sure I would have a job."
3: And that is true, and that is true, you know, because people will continue to do that unfortunately, Mm -hmm. people will continue to drink and drive. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't. Right. You know, there's always a... For years, I used to say, um, you know, be a designated driver, have a designated driver. But then it got to the point where a lot of evaluations, their friend was supposed to be the designated driver. And they ended up drinking and the other person thought that they were okay. So now... The, the it's DDs like, ended up right, drinking? The DDs ended up drinking. So it's like, well, why don't, you know, forget that designated driver stuff, okay? If you know you're going to do it, you just simply take a cab there and take a cab back. The money is not worth this, and all the legal stuff is just not worth it.
1: Yeah. And and I I would guess that there's a certain category of people that no matter what you say, you can... Educate your brains out, and no matter what you say, it happens anyway. And that category, is right. the, the, that's where we're talking probably the addiction category. Right. Yeah,
3: definitely. You know the the statistic is ninety six percent of all first time offenders will be repeat offenders. Is that right? That's the statistic. That
1: is scary. It's
3: very very scary.
1: Because most people think, well, if it, if you do it, you know, don't you'd learn. I mean, no. But that doesn't that doesn't By apply. By the time
3: people you know, that we see, they're already on their third and fourth DUI. What is that? That's just, so they're not getting, you know, in the court system, it's always a slap on the hand, your first defense. I don't believe that our laws are strict enough.
1: Hmm. Are they different? They're different in different places, they're I know. They're different
3: in different places, different countries. That's why they don't have the rate of DUI that we have. In the United States,
1: do they have uh, lower um, lower levels of alcohol?
3: No, they just have stricter laws. Stricter laws. Stricter laws. You like, you drink and drive, you lose your license for life. Oh. You know, so people are like, I'm not going to do that. So right, we don't have strict laws here.
1: Yeah, not comparatively. Right. Yeah, and for some people, I would assume for some people. It, it might or might not matter how strict the laws were. I mean, it's not that I, I would be personally against having stricter laws, but but for some people, you have to start wondering if, if it's not if it's not stupidity, then then what is it? And then then you have to start looking at you know these folks. Some of these folks have an illness.
3: They have an illness that, exactly. That
1: that, uh, that they can't. Exactly. that They just despite. What you do, they can't stop uh, doing what they're doing.
2: Exactly.
1: Until they get some help.
2: Exactly.
1: And Then that's where we get to the treatment part of all this uh, deal. Um, so, uh, I was another question I had to ask you is just it just flitted through my mind, so I'm not even sure why, you know. But let's talk about it, it was called DWI. Right. And this was quite some time ago. This might have been in the 80s. Right or even later. I, I don't know when was that. Do you know?
3: It was a long time ago, and they're they're basically the same thing. DUI and DWI are the same thing. It's driving while intoxicated, meaning just for being intoxicated of alcohol. And right. DUI is driving under the influence, and that would be under the influence of drugs or alcohol.
1: Okay, so it, it the law changed to include drugs. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what that was about. Right. Yeah, I say. I I wondered uh, that, and that which brings up something that I I wondered about. So, okay, so for alcohol, we have a legal limit. Correct. Which is. .08. .08.
3: Blood
1: blood or blood alcohol can be tested by breath. Correct. And and that kind of thing, and that changed too, right?
3: Well, it used to be .10. Right. And then it went to .08. Okay. And if you think about it. Point one oh, you were really messed up. So at point one oh.
1: To say what a point one I mean like uh, for for take me for okay. instance, uh you know, a hundred and ninety pound guy. Right. what would how many how many it would, would it take, take
3: you between four and a half if you're hundred and eighty, mhm four and a half to five beers to get to a point oh eight. If you're hundred and seventy, it would take you about four beers okay. to get to a point .08. Okay. And at sure. that point, you're still you're a little loopy there.
1: And that is like when they test you. That's how much you have to have in your system. That you would have to have the equivalent of four four beers. Or correct. It, so I would probably, if that were the case for me, I would I would have had to have drunk, drank more than that. Correct. Because I'm going to metabolize some of it before I get tested. Correct. And. I'm not going to drink it all in an hour.
3: Right. But
1: the equivalent of that amount in my system when they test me. Correct. Okay.
3: And what a lot of people, that when they go out and drink, make the mistake of eating while they're drinking.
1: Yeah. Thinking that that's going to make Think their blood gonna, alcohol level lower?
3: Right. But it doesn't because 90% of all the alcohol that you drink is digested in your intestines. Not your stomach. Right. So yeah. when people go out to IHOP... At four o'clock in the morning, officers like that because they know that that, that that's
2: the, what they're doing. It's going to stay right. in the I'll have locker.
1: some pancakes and I, and I won't blow. Right. So they they might be a little less. They might be ten percent less drunk, but right. they'll still blow the same.
2: Right. Right.
3: <sighs> they'll just feel better because they think, well, I need to eat, yeah. and that's going to
1: that's going to do it.
3: That's going to do it, but
1: no. that's not going to do it. No. We're really going to hurt IHOP's business here if this gets out, (laughs) (laughs) or Wendy's, or. Okay, they're
0: not a sponsor. Sorry guys.
1: That's right. Yeah, we 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 love you, but you know what what happens happens. Okay, so so, in other words, don't think that you can.
3: Right, that's going to sober you up. That's going to sober you up. Sober you up. No. You know that's that's actually the worst thing you can do. I mean,
1: feel less drunk, but actually be as impaired exactly. when you get back in your car.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And the officers know to hang out at the restaurants exactly. that are open late because
3: exactly they not.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, they they're the ones with the breathalyzer in hand, ready to right. they, ready to test the. All right, so it went it went from 0.10 mm-hmm. to 0.8 to 0.8, and and um, so we're 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 talking and so i and it is it true that the that the the lower the body weight the less alcohol it takes to get the same so like a a, a smaller person, person or a right. female
2: right right
1: person would be could would be have, have to drink less alcohol to get to the same Right. Okay.
3: And I don't know the statistics of this or anything, but men have an enzyme in their bodies that women don't. Mhm. So men can actually process liquor quicker than females can.
1: Okay, so that means
3: so, but I don't know what the
1: y'all can drink. That means you don't process it as well or as fast. Right. So that puts you even mm-hmm. more at risk. Correct. Yeah, and and it, does it matter what you drink?
3: Alcohol is alcohol, okay. so it doesn't matter if you're having vodka or beer.
1: Or you know it doesn't like in other words if i got stopped and i and i was 0.08 i couldn't say to the officer yeah but i was just at a wine tasting that wouldn't make any difference 0.08 is 0.08
3: 0.08 is 0.08 years ago i did a uh, a paper and it was about the breathalyzer actually and people always say oh you know i was taking this and cold medicine and i have fillings in my teeth and this and this and all these things so that's what I did. I I, I chewed gum, was an excuse. I put a penny in my mouth. I did all these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are these like myths that myths. people have? That
3: All the myths. Okay. Did all the myths, blew every time, registered zero, zero, zero. I did three shots of peppermint schnapps, and bam, I blew.
1: And it was the same no matter whether you used
3: yeah. breath I'd mints, even... whether you used. Exactly. I chewed breath mints. I you know rinse my mouth out um you know people say that cuz there's alcohol in in that yeah but it's not going to pick it up unless you're drinking it
1: it's the it's the stuff cuz when they I know when they ask you to blow they ask you to empty your lungs and it's so like it's all the way yep. out mm-hmm. and that's it's what's in here not what's in here in the exactly. mouth exactly I'm pointing to my lungs. Exactly. I forgot we're on the radio. Yeah. not being filmed. It, yeah. yeah, I'm pointing at my lungs. And
0: that makes sense right. because I you know I, I I think a lot of people have heard those those exact same things where mm-hmm. you know how to how to get out of it. Right. So to speak. Right. But yeah, when you really think about it you're they're measuring the the percentage of the alcohol in, in your, your blood mm-hmm. versus, you know, so that's what's coming out of it. It's not like they're not taking a they're not looking in your mouth.
2: Right. It's, it's
0: just your your, your right. exhale and exhale, exhaled breath.
1: And then they also, if, if like if there's an accident or something, or in, under some circumstances they'll take you to the hospital and, and draw blood.
3: Right, and they can legally do that now if you refuse the breathalyzer. Oh. They can legally call somebody on site to come out and give you a blood test or send you to the hospital for a blood test.
1: And so let's talk a little bit about, um, about the drug part with the change from DWI to DUI, so it includes drugs. We're not handling drugs in the same way because we can't detect drugs with a breathalyzer. breathalyzer so, if you're suspected of being under the influence of something besides alcohol, what? How do they handle that? And I know this is this is really a law enforcement question more than a treatment question. Right. But
3: they send you to the hospital. They
1: send you to the hospital. Send the, you to
3: hospital, and a lot of people do refuse in the hospital. You know, but they give it. Especially if you're in an accident, they're gonna give you a blood test. Period. Okay. And then you'll get the results from
2: that.
1: And what? Ha- um, and this again. I know this is kind of a legal question, more than a more than a specifically a DUI treatment question. But what happens if you um, if you if you refuse the breathalyzer?
2: As as
3: far as like you, you lose your license for. Six yeah, is months, that what happens? You lose your license for six months.
1: All right. So. Yeah. So because I, I think a lot of people are confused about that, or they hear they get legal advice.
3: Correct. They get legal advice not to blow but what people do because they're under the influence and they're not thinking is they will refuse the breathalyzer but take the field sobriety. So you're just admitting guilt by taking the field sobriety. So if you're going to refuse you should refuse everything Mm -hmm. and if you believe that you you know, or they'll come in for an evaluation and say, I only had two beers. Well, if you only had two beers, then why didn't you blow? Right. Because you wouldn't register. Right. Because I hear it all the time. I had two beers, and but then I had a glass of water for, you know, an hour and a half after that. Then why didn't you blow? And they all say because I was advised by my attorney or my friend, you know, said don't So, in blow. other words,
1: people in that category Will have lost their license for six months for no good reason, because right? Exactly. Because they, ha- if they really did just have two beers, they wouldn't have. They there wouldn't be a substantiation for DUI. Correct. They, they would have. They you know.
2: Correct.
0: Why, why is that? I wonder. That isn't isn't it? Two beers is what everybody has. That, that's yeah. the most, pretty
1: much the pretty most much anybody's
0: ever
1: had to yeah. think yeah. When they get pulled over too yeah yeah
2: pretty much standard
1: too and the funny thing is well and that's the, that's the interesting thing about a DUI professional like yourself is you have to have a little bit of medical knowledge a little bit of legal knowledge mm. uh um and then and and then a lot of treatment knowledge you have to know how to evaluate i mean there's a lot of things that go into correct your job it's not just it's not okay. just one thing and you know so so you're not a lawyer and you're not a doctor but you right. have to know enough to understand
3: right how the whole how, how it the all whole works. thing how the whole thing comes together how the whole thing comes together
1: and you do some of what happens in a DUI school is uh, training around um, the the how how alcohol is metabolized the medical right. medical aspects of correct of that what People else don't
3: understand that actually you know, they don't understand how alcohol destroys every single part of their body you know we're all you're made up your body's made up of a lot of nerve cells and alcohol dissolves fat and you have fat around your nerve cells but you don't know if it's thicker around this part that's why people get the shakes because those uh,
1: the fat's been dissolved around the nerves uh, nerves
3: because they're so teeny tiny yeah you know and so that's why you get the shakes
2: okay Right. And
3: so they don't. that happens to every part of your body, and people don't realize that. So then when we do discuss how medically it affects your body, I don't think there's been one person that wasn't in shock. They had no idea what it does to your body. So then again, my question is, well, don't they teach this in school? You know, in health class? You know what this does to your body?
1: Did you did you have it? You I know. didn't have it. I didn't have it. I didn't have
2: it. I mean,
1: I, I, I think well, you know, it's too long ago to remember. But but
2: <laughs>
1: but the thing is, they'll te- they'll do the uh, you know in my in my time in school when I would have been at the age where I would have been influenceable, all they did was really kind of a. Overview, right. scared straight kind of. Right. If you do this, you know don't you know alcohol's bad. No particular reason. No details. Just you know don't do it. Right. If they even did that. Right. You know, um, you know drugs are bad. Okay, let's move right. on. I think they do a better job today than they did in my time yeah, in school.
3: mine too.
2: I include that, but they don't so. do eno- that.
1: They, they don't do that. They,
2: they don't, don't do They don't go enough.
1: as complete a, a job, you know, as. Right. As you you do. What other components are there to this remedial education process? So, like, if it's your, like,
3: first DUI, you know, there's different levels to DUI, but, like, the lowest level would be remedial education, and that is alcohol and drug awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's more education, learning about it, which I think they should do a lot more in high schools. Right. In grade schools. and Right. But like it's that.
1: what they have to do. Does everybody have to do that?
3: Everybody has to do that unless you're a high-risk client.
1: And that's straight treatment.
3: Then that's straight treatment.
1: Okay. So what of the other, and we'll get into the levels in a minute. But so all, probably a majority of the people that come into the DUI process have to do have to do the remedial ed thing. Correct. And what what kinds of things other than the medical aspects do they do they learn?
3: Uh, they learn about different drugs. You know, like cocaine and methamphetamines and all the things, especially now that are coming, that are out, like the K2 and the synthetic things and the. How vas- do you keep salts. up with
1: all this? So you just follow what's going on. You read the newspaper. You read the. What do you, how do you keep up with it? With, with what's all that? What's trending? What the new drugs are? What the
3: actually? A lot of clients tell us, and then.
1: And then you yeah.
3: Then we'll look at it and do research on that way. You know, there was, uh, they have these parties now, which just amazes me. And all the kids will just raid their medicine cabinets and bring all the pills, and they dump them in a big bowl. And then you walk into the party, you just take a handful of who knows what you're taking. You know, blood pressure medicine, you know, cholesterol medicine, Viagra, everything. And, you know, these people are getting very sick and dying because, mhm. They're doing that. I I have a hard time really understanding why you would want to do that. Yeah. I
1: I I, <laughs> I think if we knew we'd write a book right. and make a million bucks.
3: Right? I don't I don't I, don't, I don't how get it either. I've bucks. heard that
1: that's called farming spelled farming. With a pH as in pharmacy. Farming. Okay. A, yeah. That's that's the Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and you and you hear probably a lot of other things from what other things have you heard from from, from clients? clients? Yeah.
3: About yeah. the things that are going on. Yeah, anything else um, that
1: you, you hear about? Um,
3: a lot of stuff on the K-2, you mm-hmm. know. I think everybody, that's a lot the, of people. That,
1: That's the synthetic, synthetic marijuana, marijuana, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And how, you know, their friend or they did it and they hallucinated and they didn't like the feeling when they're pot smokers. They didn't like that synthetic stuff and it really freaked them out. And so I'm hearing more of that you know, that, oh, I, I wouldn't touch that, I tried it, and I'm never ever doing that again,
1: Mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so that's a, that's around, yeah, and that just, that just became illegal, I think, the first of, the first of this year, didn't it? Yeah. Uh,
3: they've
1: got, you know, but they've got so many other, you know, the, these guys can come up with compounds that are similar to, and so this one's illegal, but that one's not, and yeah. Yeah, it's There's, pretty it's pretty uh pretty strange. It's
3: very scary. I you know, I'm sure that, you know, parents of today just have to be scared out of their wits.
1: So just for a minute back to the back to the drugs and the the tolerance or not the tolerance but the the uh, you know the t- the uh testing and the breathalyzer and stuff. So the 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 law enforcement people have to make a judgment that you're impaired on the scene
2: Correct. in order
1: to require uh, uh, a blood test. Right. Do you know how they do that? How they... How they determine if you're impaired well, without... Is it just by dr- you're driving or...
3: Driving. People don't turn on their headlights. They don't use their turn signals. You know, they are over the line. You know, so that's a really big thing. But people don't understand that. I don't care if it's one beer or ten beers. It reeks. So when you roll down that window.
1: You, can smell, you it. can smell it. Or I mean if somebody was uh smoking pot smoking in their car,
3: you're going to you're going to smell it.
1: It's going to it's yeah. going to smell like a yeah. Even if it's just like a, a little one hit thing or even yeah. even then.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So that's the other way that they can tell if it right. if it smells. Now there's then there's then there's drugs that are like uh, uh prescription drugs. So if if you're acting impaired and they test you and you have uh, let's say uh, prescription drugs, prescription drugs of prescription some drugs. kind, some some uh, Xanax, uh, right. ben- a benzodiazepine in your system. Does that mean you have to produce a prescription to justify?
3: With the label on it.
1: With the label on it.
3: With the label on it. And Not you just can, haven't thrown it in your purse or you in a help. little baggie.
1: That wouldn't be good. None no, good. you have to have the prescription. You have to have the bottle with the with, with the label with your name on it. With your name on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, because I could, you know, I can see people. Trying to weasel around that stuff mm-hmm. with some frequency. Do most DUI schools test for test for alcohol and drugs when, once people get here? Yes. Okay.
3: And then if we feel they're under the influence, you know, then of course they're going to be tested. Yeah. Okay. And people unfortunately do come to DUI schools drunk.
1: Well, I've yeah, I I, I imagine and and that you know, as crazy as that sounds. Those I'm sure are the people that,
3: that
2: right. those are
1: the those are the people that really need some help. I right. mean that's a that's an outright,
3: exactly,
1: I'm powerless over alcohol statement. Exactly. Of those people that, I mean, over the years you've experienced, I'm sure people that have come in under the influence. Are those the people that are more likely to get help or less likely, or, or can't you tell from something like that?
3: That's a good question. Well, of course, nobody ever has a problem. So I think right. that the more that you're in treatment, in the treatment process, for no matter what level, you start to look at yourself differently. Mm-hmm. And here, you know, that is a very big thing for me is to do a moral inventory.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You have to be able to look at yourself and say, hmm, I do do that. I do drink and drive.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I don't remember getting home. I don't remember what route I took, and you have to look at that and say, "Is that safe?"
1: Right. Yeah, and that would be like that would be one of your goals in treatment for people at any level. Any level is to is to look at themselves objectively, and uh, at least as far as their drinking and driving Mm -hmm. behavior.
3: Exactly. Another thing
1: that comes to mind is you know how do you you know the we've got a lot of things going on here because what what the courts are designed to do. Well, law enforcement is de- is designed to uh, apprehend people who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing that that are breaking the law.
2: Right.
1: So we have a we have somebody who's driving under the influence. It's against the law. We arrest them, and for that they need to go to court. Correct. All right, and then the court is designed to largely to punish people. For behavior that the illegal behavior,
3: illegal behavior,
1: but punishment isn't really a very workable option with people that have addiction addiction problems. So I know the mm-hmm. courts have really leaned much more into treat. How does that all work? How does that all work together? Isn't that confusing?
3: It's very very confusing because they made laws. You know, first-time offenders have to have the bait machine in their car, but I, I haven't seen it. What What is
0: that? Bait is the so
3: the breathalyzer where they hook up uh, the ignition.
0: Oh, so you have to.
3: So you have to blow in it. Okay. Before you, your car will start. And
0: this is supposed to be for a first-time offender. That would be your. That would be one of the punishments.
3: That's one of the punishments, okay. but you know, you've got lawyers that make. Deals and all that kind of stuff, and so there's people who, you know, have three and four, and they still don't have one in their car, and it's just it's. Yeah. Some it's, do and some don't. Some do and some don't. So what is it?
1: Yeah, it is. It's not uniform, so that's confusing, and, uh, you know, but I mean, in, in from the other side, the 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 lawyers have a job to do. Mm-hmm. And whether we like it or not, they do their job, and sometimes that's what makes it confusing. Sometimes their job takes people that belong on the hook
2: off the hook. Right. Uh,
1: But the other side of that is that there are people who have made an honest mistake. They shouldn't have drank and drive. They have remorse. They've done it once. They come and they get educated, and they'll never do it again. And there are those people, too. Right. And that's where that's where you come in, then trying to separate all this craziness out. Craziness, right? And so that's that's called an evaluation. That's called an evaluation, <laughs> exactly. All right. So tell us about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want you to give away the details of what what it is, but I mean, like, what's what 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 is what can somebody expect in general from an evaluation?
2: It's-
3: is history. It's finding out that person's history is the most important thing. Okay. Of course, if they come from a family history of it, then, of course, you're going to ask more questions, you know, how that was. Does that make an alcohol up. problem
1: more likely if it's in the family?
3: Correct. Genetic yes,
1: uh, connection?
2: Okay. Yes,
3: it does. Okay. So, you know, there will, there will always be people who, don't think it's as bad as it really is. Yeah. Because they haven't gotten a DUI ever before. Right. But yet they are heavy drinkers. Right. And I think it's you drive 300 times before you ever get caught.
1: So on average you drive drive under the influence 300 300 times times. before you get caught? That's a lot of times. That is a lot of times. That's a
3: lot of risk-taking. Yeah, that's a
1: huge number of times. So... So in other words when when somebody is on their first DUI and they say this is only my first DUI right. we can assume that on average they've driven right under the influence 300 times exactly yeah
3: and and then for the most part they are pretty honest but they have been coached to only say you know two beers mhm i only have two beers you know twice a week when after you talk to them you know they're having six beers seven times a week.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know.
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, sure. And you know maybe smoking a little weed here and there right. or whatever. Or, right,
3: popping a pill. no, you know,
1: sure. And and so well, and sometimes that's I'm sure sometimes that's guidance from people that have come before them. Right,
3: or, or their friends, their friends, or, or, or whomever. Yeah, whomever they get this information from, but the and the sometimes dressing. it maybe
1: is it ever just flat out their own denial.
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Like they've just never even right paid attention I mean,
3: to it's, it. It's amazing when you see some people come in here and there's a you know there's a you can tell by somebody's face if they're a drinker or not. What would you see? You'd see the very red face you know, very variculcy, veiny,
1: mm-hmm.
3: because those veins are very thin
1: mm-hmm. in the your little, face. The little ones in the face.
3: And when you drink, your heart has to pump harder, mm. so it breaks those vessels. Mm. So when people come in here with a really red face and tell me they drink once a week, I'm like, really? Let's talk about that a little bit more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that also like the veiny nose the
3: thing? Veiny is nose, the veiny nose, purpley it? nose. Yeah. You know, we've had people in here where their whole face was purple, but they don't have a problem. They've never had a DUI. They just haven't been caught. Right. You know.
2: Right.
1: And and there are people that you've had that have made have just made a made a a, it was a one time thing made a mistake.
3: One time thing. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I I do find that a lot with the DD drivers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. I never planned on doing it. I didn't want to do it. I, you know, my brother got a DUI, so I'm responsible. Have the D and then made and then that mistake.
1: Made that mistake. Yeah, but but for the most part, people have had have been drinking on have been driving under the influence for a lot longer than just just right. the one time that they got caught. Yeah. It,
3: you, you know. Really, people are on their third you know third or fourth d u i by the time that they get here, so they've been in treatment programs before yeah. and went out and got d u i That's why that statistic is so high,
1: okay, so is there any other pieces of the evaluation that like so at the end of an evaluation, like well, well, maybe we'll um how are we doing on time? Yeah, we're about, we're about halfway. All right. well, Do you want to take a quick break? Let's take a little break.
0: break we'll
1: come back? Let's take a little break, and then we'll come back, and maybe we'll talk like more specifically about treatment and and moving through that and okay. when somebody walks in the door, okay? Okay. let take, we'll, okay. take a little break.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us here tonight on Recovery Internet Radio. We'll be back with you in just a minute. Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're here with April this evening, and I hope you uh, have enjoyed the show so far. I won't keep you, but thank you for listening, and uh, let's let's get back to our conversation. It's been a very very interesting talk today.
1: Okay, so um, let's kind of pick up where we left off. But in order to do that, um, let's complete the evaluation thing for a minute. So at the end of the evaluation, I assume then you have to make some recommendation. You have to make a recommendation.
3: Correct. They do have to take a test. Okay. There, um, and then that test score with the interview. Hmm. And their history mm-hmm. really gives us how many treatment hours is recommended for that. Okay, so client. that
1: that determines what DUIs, what's going to happen. Things like that. Correct. Okay, I get you. That's and that being part of the history. So, what are the so you explain the first level. The level one would be the, the the least number of hours would be just straight education. Straight education, and that's mm-hmm. called risk education. Correct. How many hours is that?
3: That's ten hours.
1: Ten hours. Okay, and that's like you come like you can come four like times. four times, two and a half two hours, half hours each Yeah. Time. Okay. And I know other other organizations break it up different ways, mm-hmm. but basically that's pretty pretty much. The yeah, the
3: state really requires that you know they come for that. 10 hours, over a month period. Yeah. So that they're...
1: So they can integrate know. the information kind of thing? Correct. Yeah. Or, yeah, get get it in there. Okay, just so... It's all
3: just one day.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, and then, yeah, p- put in your time and forget about it. Like driving school.
2: Right. And I,
1: and I heard, I, this is just sort of an aside, but I had heard at one time that they were going to be, they were going to allow risk ed to be done online.
3: Yeah, I heard that too.
1: And what do you think about that?
3: I think that's crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why is that?
3: You know, I mean, I really think there needs to be that interaction. You need to talk to somebody. Uh, with If you're doing it online, you know, you could say, oh, you know, I'll have my girlfriend do it while I'm sitting there having a beer. I mean.
1: Yeah, okay. That doesn't you're make
3: sense. It's not going to help in any way.
1: I, I, I think uh, just I would, have, I would agree with you that, that you know 99 times out of 100 that that's that's not a good idea there are in i think where it's where it's being used and i don't think it's being allowed where where we where we work but um in some places where it's a very rural county there's no it's very difficult for people to get to central places they'll allow it in certain cases for for people who don't have the transportation but um i can see it for that purpose maybe but not. it doesn't seem to make any No, much it's, sense. Not gonna,
3: it's really, really not going to help.
1: The eyeball to eyeball thing. Eyeball is really, to eyeball. Yeah, that you way wanna... you
3: can see people. Yeah. And, you know, there's always, I mean, we all have issues. We all have issues. So if, if you get caught with a DUI and you have to do treatment, you might as well take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's issues maybe from younger growing up that you had to live with and see. And that you know. stuff may come. Right, come out and Come treatment. out and be,
1: be something you can deal with. Exactly. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, and if you can't see the person, you really can't ever. Like, does does the evaluation kind of continue as you move into treatment? I mean, are you still kind of gathering information and putting it together?
3: Right, and yeah. then once you're in your treatment, you're going to learn more about that person. They're going to share more,
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, and, and 99% of all the people that we do see really do get a lot out of it. hmm you know, and they they enjoy it, and they do end up coming back and just stopping in and saying hi, and mm-hmm. say hey, you know, can I come in and just sit in on an aftercare? Sure, you want to come in? That's mm-hmm. just fine with me. Isn't that a different?
0: That's a very different look at, at what I think most people would think. Right. Uh, you, know, you get okay. You get a get a speeding ticket, and you have to go to you know a certain amount of driver's education. Right. Uh, you know, oh, and, and, and at that point, it's really more I, I i would think it was more punishment than education right okay, well, there's eight hours in my life that I'm getting right. back, but you know and I think you guys both made a, a very good point about the fact that there's the the piece that you're involved with that the the treatment part of it and, and really getting to the the root cause of things is not the justice system' right. you're not the you're not the court mm-hmm. you're not the lawyers you know this is, this is probably i would i would say the most important piece.
2: Yeah,
1: this is the treatment. The treatment. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and it's and it's it's an interesting it's it's an interesting mixture because it, it cause it's a it's an offense. So these are offenders, right? That show up here,
2: mm-hmm. right? But
1: they're. But we're we're attempting to use that offense as an intervention to help people who have problems. Right. right.
3: Right. And there is clients that 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 do develop a relationship and they do go to AA meetings together if they're high risk. mm mm-hmm. You know, and they they're very honest in group. And they, if somebody says something that is totally crazy talk, they will call them out on it. Yeah. You know, even while they're here, still being the offender.
1: Yeah, they've learned enough that right. they now are right. helping, other, helping other other people, exactly. and that is that kind of the goal of your treatment group—to kind of get it so that you've got other group members that are actually they're in they're right. figuring out how to recover themselves,
3: exactly, and get so better, or whatever. Any kind of support is good support. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people do you know aren't in high risk uh, categories, but do. You know, go to AA meetings. It's not required for lower levels, as with high risk, it is required. Mm-hmm. You know, but they they will go to an AA meeting together, and they'll just go. They may be quiet, but they they're learning. They're learning.
1: They're learning. Yeah. They're learning. So what are the other? So let's talk. So so level one is risk education risk and then then there's level 2 th- what, which like is moderate
3: two. treatment mm-hmm. which is 12 hours of treatment and 10 hours of remedial education okay and then there's significant risk which is 20 hours of treatment and 10 hours of remedial education and then okay. there's the high risk which is just 75 hours of straight treatment okay and a year of aftercare okay and the significant risk has 6 months of aftercare
1: okay and and the evaluation is what gives you the information to separate out who goes into what category. Correct. And and, and we've talked about. It. So, so uh, are those people all mixed together or are they separate or how do you how do you handle that?
3: They're mixed together.
1: Okay. All right.
3: except uh, um, remedial education.
2: Okay, remedial so education is separate. It's separate. Okay.
3: You know, but we have clients that are from two moderate to high risk.
1: High risk, and that's high risk is level three. And that is that. When you say high risk, does does that usually coincide with um, uh, alcohol alcoholic, or not necessarily?
3: That's a good question. Because
1: um, we got two systems working here. We got the le- the levels of the of right. the the legal requirements
2: right. and
1: then we've got the diagnostic criteria for alcohol for alcoholism or alcohol right. abuse and those are right. two separate things
3: they are two separate things and you know here it's really they need to decide yeah. I, I can't call and I'm not I won't call anybody an alcoholic okay really, that's for you to decide why right. you're in here
2: mhm
3: you know because if I do it You know, they're just going to say, screw you, lady, I don't have a problem. Right. You know, so they really have to discover it themselves. That's why that moral inventory is very good, and they do. While they're in here for, you know, their first, you know, eight hours, ten hours of the treatment part, they really do say, you know what, I do have a problem with alcohol, Mm -hmm. and they do. We've got a good rate of them admitting that they have a problem and that they want help for that problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So it's a very low percentage where they just want to do their stuff and go.
1: Yeah, and there are some of those. And there too. are some of those. Okay, correct. Do you have any? I mean, without naming any names, do you have any examples of, of, of like a story of somebody who went through your program who, who, who got it, who for, for whom yeah. the light like came in?
3: Yeah.
1: Tell we, Tell the story. Tell the
3: story. Um, we had this one. Um, client who had several DUIs. We're talking like seven.
1: (laughs) So that's actually several, several, several.
3: Several, okay. (laughs) And has been in, like, inpatient treatment and stuff like that and never really, really got it.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. And then one day they just finally got it when they were here in treatment and then ended up, you know, wanting to speak you know, and come to group on their time, and, uh, you know, they spent jail time, and so they were very, you know, a good client that has finally got it. Okay. You know, in their recovery, and they do have support of family, friends, and of AA.
1: Why do you think Why do you think they, they? what was it that, you know, why did they get it here? I mean, or, or wherever. Is
3: the other place? Because they weren't ready. And that, then they just—they weren't ready for
1: whatever. Yeah, for
3: whatever reason, they weren't ready. They were angry, um, had a lot of anger um, towards the system, towards their significant other or mm-hmm. whatever. And they really weren't ready to focus on themselves. And once they're decided, okay, well, this is me. I carry me around.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I have to take care of me, as I always tell people you have to look at yourself as your vehicle. Hmm. You want to trash your vehicle or you want to take care of your vehicle cuz that gets you around.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
3: means it from the top to the bottom.
1: Mhm. Yeah. The top you know, meaning
3: Top to your head in here. Right. To, you yeah, know,
1: to the bottom To of the, the bottom. The, yeah.
3: Uh, and so they do, I think I think that I would like to think that we have a good, you know, success rate and mm-hmm. People do want to help, and they yeah. say all the time, "Please, can I come in and talk?" And
1: most people think that, um, at least I've heard it said that that you know DUI uh, folks are, are are a tough crowd to work with because they have to be here. They
3: have to be here.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: is that you find that to be true, or, or is that not necessarily? No, they
3: end up really enjoying it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They look forward to it. Mm-hmm. We have a, a client that has been here for a long time. Because we offer classes several days a week. Mm-hmm. So you can't come several days. But this person can only come one day.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: they have been in treatment for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like we're going like a year, year and a half because they can only come once a week. And they're getting towards the end. And they're like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I I enjoy coming here. This is my sanity when I come here.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
3: they can continue to learn about themselves. Yep. So they like it
1: yeah okay so so that's a really that's a really different look of of what what uh mo- i think most people would initially think, oh you know crap, I've gotta do this right
2: Can't i gotta wait. do my
1: i gotta do my time, and I'm sure people walked in here with that attitude,
3: and sometimes they tell you, yeah I've had people tell me before I'm not gonna quit drinking, I like drinking, and that's it <laughs> right
2: okay, <laughs> okay, you know, and they're
3: very. You know, they they don't want to participate, but eventually they start to participate, and they get that look on their face, and especially as new since we, you know, have it where there's different levels, Mm -hmm. you know, and they see people come, and they see people go, you know, and then all of a sudden they're starting to offer, you know, you know what, I thought the same thing that you're thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
3: know, when I first came here, I thought the same thing that you're thinking, I just wanted to be here, but... This has helped me really a lot, and talking to people and sharing and understanding it more
2: is
1: Yeah. good. So, 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 and I think, I, I mean, I think it's skill to take a group of people that initially don't want to be here and turn it into what would be considered a real live support group. Support group. Yeah.
2: Correct. <laughs>
1: and there's, and, and you you do, there's, there's, what, three groups in this in this location or there, two? Usually three. two or sometimes three? There's three. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So people can come at different times. And right. T- you know, one of the things that, that, that uh, I, I wondered, I don't exactly know how to talk about this because it's difficult, but the, the in, in, in a general way, the cost. So let me ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that we need to get into the specific dollars and cents, but there's when people... Have a DUI, they're going to have. They're likely to have court costs and fines. Mm-hmm. They're likely to have um, uh, tolling fees. Oh, tolling fees.
3: Mids work.
1: Okay, Insur- insurance. Uh,
3: In- insurance.
1: Okay, and, and so and then they're going to have they're going to have legal. Right. Legal fees. Mm-hmm. So so we've got the DUI school and and the legal fees and the court costs and fines. Of those three, let's talk about just those three okay. first. Court costs and fines, legal fees, and DUI school, uh-huh. which which of those things is going to be the most expensive? Attorney's fees. Attorney's fees? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like a round numbers, uh, it, it, like a range of costs for- An
3: average DUI? An
1: average, well, a uh, cost for the DUI school, ab- average, Not. I'm not asking you specifically what you right. charge because okay. I don't think that's fair. but. Like if you took the average of in this in our area mm-hmm. of what a, a, a say a level two moderate would cost okay. like 250 300 bucks somewhere in that neighborhood
3: anywhere from 350 to 650
1: 350 to 650 okay round numbers
3: round numbers
1: the and a level three round numbers anywhere from, from
3: 950 to
1: 1250 okay 950 to 1250 mm-hmm. now for that first DUI for legal fees Irregardless of level, what are we what are we usually looking at?
3: You're looking at a grand.
1: Okay, you're looking at a grand for the first for the first DUI. For
3: the first DUI.
1: And what about us? What about a second DUI?
3: Now you're looking at you know five grand. Okay, all right. On an average, it's somewhere between twelve and sixteen thousand dollars.
1: For a for a, a DUI for a first DUI.
3: For a DUI. If you if wow. count
1: court costs and fines, legal fees, DUI school, mm-hmm. of which it seems like DUI schools not uh, not a really financially not the not anywhere near the biggest no. player here. No, not at not probably all. a low right. one of the smallest players. Exactly. Okay.
0: And you gotta say, I mean, talking about costs like that, this is a best case scenario there, where there's no loss of life, right? No serious injuries. You're just you just yeah. got pulled over on the way home from IHOP. Right. You know, and after no, no, having no, pancakes, you know, and <laughs> after, and I don't, I don't think best case scenario in, in DUI in the, same, in the same sentence usually, but, I mean, obviously there's, there's much, much worse.
1: So you could, yeah, things could be, things could be things
0: really bad. could be
3: really, really bad, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, we have a little exercise that we do where everybody does the cost, it's the cost sheet. Yeah. From start to finish, and they, and then we divide that by the drinks they said they had. You know, and it ends up being, you know, $1,500 for a drink. (laughs) That's one expensive beer.
2: Yeah, it is.
3: But they don't like to see it. They don't want to see it. You know, we make them see it. We want you to see it. We had this client um, that had several DUIs. I think he had like five or six DUIs. And he spent over um, a million dollars on all those.
1: All the different things.
3: All the all the duI all the court legal in costs court time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or
1: fines and fines and court costs, legal uh huh treatment
3: treatment, and then insurance, you know, insurance The Bade machine costs money. Yeah. So you have to throw all that into lost wages, taking cabs.
1: Do you know what a Bade costs? Know?
3: Um, it's different, different, yeah. you know, but it's basically around you know seven hundred to nine hundred dollars.
1: And, and you have to do you have to put a deposit down first and then pay monthly or how does that work?
3: You you pay for it all at once. Oh okay. And then you pay monthly.
1: Yeah.
3: And there's a little um. What do you want to call it? A little a little unit that you have to send off. Okay. To them once a month.
1: And that's the reporting right. module or whatever. Right. Yeah.
3: Uh huh. Okay. Exactly.
1: And so, what a bait is is if the thing goes in your car, and you can't you have to have a clean you have to have a a, a, a clean blow to start your car.
3: Correct. And it will
1: randomly stop your car. I, I understand. You're
3: supposed to blow every 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So while you're driving,
1: will it stop, or do you have to stop and blow?
3: You have to stop and blow. It will let you know. It, like,
1: minutes. it beeps, and then you have to pull over and blow. And then.
0: Mm-hmm. And awkward if you're both in the
3: carpool. That day. Right, yeah. exactly. Or if you're
1: in traffic and mm-hmm. you have to get off, you know, right. like you're in bumper-to-bumper right. on the way downtown or something, that right. would be somewhat awkward, yeah. Okay.
3: Okay. What I've been hearing is that now with the bait machine, they install, there's a camera that is installed in your car to make sure that you're blowing in it and not your
1: you now you're sitting with another right. or whoever's riding right. with you. Yeah, uh-huh. I understand. I see yeah. that makes sense. yeah so. it makes sense. Okay, so all right. So that's so we've kind of covered cost, um, and then what about time? Like, how how much? Like you were saying, this one person it took over a year. Mm-hmm. They were they were a high risk person. Once
2: a week, right? Once mm-hmm. a
1: week. What what what's the range on the short end? Like if somebody had, uh, well, how how long would it take? Well, I mean. Yeah.
3: I'm well, gonna... it's you know, it's on the average of 3 months. Yeah. You know, lower lower levels. 3 months to uh 6 months, but they do have a year to complete it. Okay. So once they start treatment, they have a year to complete it okay. court wise unless a special deal was made.
1: Okay. And then um we were also going to talk about um I know we were also going to there's a there's a thing called summary suspension. All right, let's talk a little. I know you don't want to talk about that, it's hard, but let's let's let me just because it it is something that people are going to have to understand when they get a DUI. So, so, go ahead and explain it. So, when you first get a
3: DUI, you need to get an evaluation. Yeah, and the two important pieces of paper are your um, driving record. Okay, from if you, you have it either in Illinois or in Wisconsin, wherever you got your driving record, for a lot of people have two driving abstracts. Mm-hmm. Or records, one from Wisconsin and one from Illinois. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? You know.
1: Even if they're on Illinois, just
3: some people unfortunately do do that. They go and they get a Wisconsin driver's license. Okay, so you, know.
1: you have to you have to get, have a driver's abstract, and then you also have to have
3: your summary suspension, which okay. is given to you when you release got released from the police department, and that has if you blew or refused, the officer's comments, the date, the time. I got you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is given to their lawyer immediately so they don't have it.
1: So they have to go back to they the police to, go to, their station to get it or their attorney's office the and, attorney get
3: it. and get the.
1: And that's the piece of paper, one of those, and it's a triplicate form, one of those forms goes downstate and then in, what is it, 45 days?
3: 45 days.
1: They'll lose. Their driving driving privileges, right?
3: Okay. So they should try to get everything done if they can within that forty-five days.
1: Yeah. That would be ideal.
3: And a lot of times, you know, what people don't understand is that you're going to have to do the recommendations of your evaluation. It's it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. So you need to, you know, just go for it. It looks better to the judge than hemming and hawing, hemming and hawing, because mm-hmm. he knows you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he's more likely to be in your favor if you take it upon yourself saying, yeah, I know I got in trouble, I need to get an evaluation, and then I need to do the recommended treat- treatment.
2: Recom-
1: recommended treatment. Yeah. So the, the other side of that is, and I know this isn't the, this isn't the popular side with, with the DUI providers, but the other side of that is that the, the attorneys will often say, don't do it until you have to. Don't do it till you're told to. We may be able to mediate or get you off of this or, you know, whatever. So hold off. Mm-hmm. And they're sometimes advised to do that. And frankly, they're sometimes, they just sometimes put it off.
3: And they put it off.
1: And then, exactly. and I've heard about this where, you know, they have to go back to court and they don't have their treatment done a year later and the judge is not right. happy. No,
3: he's not happy. But
1: that's not unusual.
3: It's not unusual at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so you might do an evaluation.
1: You might do an evaluation. You might do. You might not do the treatment for months, right? If not longer.
3: An evaluation is only good for six months in the state of Illinois. Oh, uh, okay. So. So
1: if you don't do your stuff in six months, you have to come back and get another evaluation and pay for it again. And pay
3: for more money. Well, that doesn't right. make
1: sense to do that. So. You so do it within six months. Do at
3: it, least. it It's like, get it done. You're going to yeah. have to do it anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It and looks
3: better to the judge because he knows. So, yeah. and, uh, and then the average, I think you're up there, each person is up there for 30 seconds. That's the average.
1: That's how that's how long you are in front of the judge.
3: Yeah, 30 yeah. seconds.
1: All right,
3: so. So when you don't have your stuff, you know, he's <laughs> like, not happy.
1: Boom. Come back when you got it, and if you don't have it the next time.
3: Jail time, whatever. Yeah. So they get threatened and threatened, and
1: does you not know, yeah. good for them. Yeah. Um, okay, so. So the the time it takes to complete this, you know, can be controlled by the offender by getting it done as soon as possible. Correct. And that's, you know, that that seems to me to be uh, that seems to me to be the way to go. Um, you and you obviously you can go to jail for DUI.
3: You can go to jail for DUI. Yes, you can.
1: Have you you've had people here in treatment? I've had people
3: here that have decided this is interesting. They want to expunge from your record folks it's never it is always on your record till the day you die so if your lawyer tells you this it's not it's always there okay
1: it comes up on the abstract it
3: comes up on the abstract and there's little points you know and the officers know that so they know that you had a previous DUI it might have been reduced to reckless but it's still a DUI what
1: is what do you mean reduced to reckless explain what that means
3: the when they go in front of the the judge, their lawyers, will, you know, pre-bargain, whatever, and then they will reduce that DUI to a reckless driving conviction. Okay. You know, on their record. It will be a reckless driving conviction on your record, but you're still going to have to do the treatment. You're still going to – it's still considered a DUI.
1: It's, for all all practical purposes, it just doesn't say that.
3: Exactly. Exactly. But everybody
1: knows that it is.
3: But everybody knows that it is. Okay. And the judge – You know he has a different abstract than everybody else has okay oh you know because that is your record for your life so if you got caught stealing the candy bar when you were 12 years old and you went to court for it it is on your abstract so the judge knows everything that that person has done Hmm. so that when they're making their decision Right. And they see these things, they're going to be either be less lenient or more lenient. I see.
1: So they know they know what's going on.
3: They know what's going on. So you can't lie during an evaluation. Because it's, if you say, oh, I only had one DUI, and you didn't tell your evaluator that you had another DUI, but it was reduced to a reckless, and you go to court, and that judge sees that, you're in trouble.
1: Because, because, because you gonna, are not
3: honest, and we know Because they're
1: going to know... By the evaluation, the evaluation results that that's not a, not appropriate with the with the uh, what's on the abstract. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's good advice. Yeah, you but know. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's looking for an angle. But everybody's looking for an angle. Right. Yeah, so I,
0: I get that, though. I mean, I, you know, it's not a pleasant thing to go through. No,
3: it's not. Um, it takes away a lot.
1: So when somebody, so, kind of to, put a you know. Uh, Wraps 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 something around this whole deal. When someone walks in the door at your in in your place, what what's the what are the steps that they go through? In you know, how are they received? What happens? Somebody makes a phone. Let's just say take them from the phone call. Somebody makes a phone call. They're trying to find the cheapest way to get through this thing. Right. You know even though it's not going to be by any means the most expensive thing they're going to have to face. Right. Um, so what, what do you do? I think you
3: have to have compassion. Yeah. Bottom line is compassion from the time you're on the phone with them because with some people it is their first UI. It is very scary mm-hmm. to them. Other ones that have had a few, you know, they, they know the process. They've done it before. But the more that you're compassionate and understand, mm-hmm. you know, the more that person is going to open up to you one, and want to come to you.
1: Sure. Too, sure. Right. And and so is that the way that that you handle people when they come?
3: Yeah. In in person or not? You have to be on their side. You have to listen to their story. Sure. You know and and underst- Try to go in between the lines there and see what's what's really happening.
1: Yeah. And help them to and understand them what's really happening. What's really too.
3: happening. Help them understand. Okay. And help them find the direction that they need to go in, which is best for them.
1: Yeah and not necessarily pre uh prejudge and decide right. what direction they need to right. go. Right.
3: You have to you yeah. have to believe them. Yeah. You have to believe them because they will in treatment they in will time. say I wasn't really totally honest with you. Yeah. You know they they do that they
2: in
1: time. In time. And uh, so another this is this is a random piece but uh, some I know some of the high risk people AA is is something that they're required to do. Do you actually have AA people come here sometimes to talk?
3: We do, we have them come once a month. Okay. Um, to come speak and then we've had clients who have been coming to speak and then going to our other location and speaking. Oh,
1: okay, so yeah.
3: You know, okay. All right. so, but yeah, once a month as they come here.
1: So what what would you say if I asked you what the most what, what do you want the outcome to be for your clients here?
3: To not drink and drive. That yeah. is the outcome.
1: That's the outcome we're looking for.
3: That's the outcome we're looking for. Bottom line, we're public safety. Right. And we have to make sure that you're not going to be a threat to society if offered to drive on a limited basis.
1: Right. And there are those people who, to not drink and drive, they need to not drink. Right. And then there are other people who, in order not to drink and drive, need education and awareness and, right. and, and self-appraisal.
3: Right. So that's the that's the bottom line. The bottom line is to not get into a vehicle, being under the influence of anything. Mm-hmm. It's just not safe. You know, a car is a weapon. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the possible... What are the possible consequences if I got into this vehicle and I was under the influence? They, they're great. Mm-hmm. The consequences are... Great. Mm-hmm. You lose families. You lose people. Lose lives. All those things. You don't want that hanging over your head. Because no. we're never okay to drive. We may have think that we are, but we're really never okay to drive when we're under the influence. You cannot be one hundred percent in your head if you're under the influence of anything. Yeah. And you have to be a defensive driver. So you need all your wits about you, and that. Well,
1: the- a lot of people seem to think they they've have the attitude that driving is a is right, but that's not correct. No,
3: it's a privilege. It's a privilege and unfortunately, nobody reads the little when they sign, when they get the driver's license and it says, if you are suspected to be under the influence, you will submit to a breathalyzer. And you sign away. You sign that. You sign away and people really aren't reading that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, signing that. You and want a license,
1: this is, what, this is what we're exactly. going to ask of you.
2: Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the attitude the attitude that this is a right, we have to like have to really question. Have to yeah. really question that. What would um, so if you could just say you know one quick thing to people who are you know thinking about uh, getting into their vehicle and you know whether or not they should you know smoke or take a pill or have something to drink. What, what would you tell them?
3: Possible consequences. You have to think before you do. Mm-hmm. Before you go out, before anything, you need to think of what are the possible consequences. It's not worth the money. It's not worth losing your life, somebody else's life, having your children grow up without you. It's just not worth it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, there's there's alternatives. If you don't have a problem with alcohol and you, it was an honest mistake and all that. There's other ways to do it, and you just have to think. This is how I need to do it because I enjoy doing it. I have to get a ride there, and I have to get a ride home.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Very,
3: it's very simple. It's yep. elementary. It's very elementary.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's what I would say to them.
2: Okay.
1: Well, I think that that's probably a pretty good thing to say, and I think we're, we're probably at the point where we need to wrap. So, um, yeah, so thanks for thanks for doing it. I no no it was,
3: problem. My
1: It was pleasure. good. Um, I think it's, it's good information, and I hope that people um get you know have a better you know people who listen to the show have a better idea of uh what the process is and what 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 it would entail if they if god forbid they do right. get a dui and have to go through
3: it i do have one suggestion okay to people okay when you're if you're you will always find yourself in a situation where you are somewhere and you've been drinking and you have your vehicle with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, if you put pictures of your children and of your family members, I don't care, all over your dashboard, all over the top of your car, that's going to make you think twice when you open that car door and you've been drinking, when you see your little your children right on your dashboard, not on your key ring that's hanging down here, where you
2: don't see but it. right where you see it. On the dashboard.
3: That will make you turn around.
1: Now I've got I've, I've got one quick story that I, I want to ask you if, if you've ever heard this one, but I just I know this one gentleman, and he had a, a very unique solution. What he did when he went out drinking is, if he you know if he if he drank, which he did quite a bit of, um, what what he did is he called a towing company, yeah, okay. and he he rode in the tow truck and had his car pulled behind. Now. I'm not recommending that. The towing company, I think, would like that idea. Right, I'm right. not recommending that because I think it would probably have be been much cheaper just to take a cab at Right, exactly. But I don't know if he was thinking clearly either before or during the time that he called the toy right. truck. But,
3: he just made that a part of his drinking. He did. If I'm going to if I'm gonna drink, Yeah. I need my car for the next morning, exactly. so I'm going to call a, a...
1: Yeah, he's a trades guy. He had to get to work, so he just had his car towed home and...
3: If you can afford that, that's a that's a great idea. I mean.
1: Well, I think it would have been a lot cheaper in his case if he just if like, he didn't just drink and, and took uh, the cab. Right? Exactly. Yeah, took the cab. That would have been fine. And anyway. people
3: do skip. Sca- you know, they are. That's why they drive because they yeah. gotta work the next morning.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: You know, pick your car up the next day. Take a cab and have somebody drive you an hour early. Right. Go get it.
1: Yeah. This particular gentleman finally found another solution. that <laughs> involved not drinking at all, but that's. For another show. So anyway, I thank you for coming. Um, I thank you for uh, our listeners t- tonight for, for being here and thanks to Chris, our engineer, for keeping us uh, well engineered. <laughs> is, that, is that the proper that, term? That
0: works for me. Yeah. Well
1: engineered. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, we'll email our reminders out for next week's show. And as always, we'll try to look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. Uh, do you want to say that again?
0: Recoveryinternetradio.com,
1: you yeah.
2: say?
1: <laughs> That's what I said.
2: Excellent. For all
1: our archive shows, have to sign up for our email reminder list. We want to hear from you so we know where you are, since this is an internet radio show. And as always, live today, Love yourself and your neighbor. Together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you at 8 o'clock next Sunday. Thank you for being here.